I beat him at work while sitting on the can. And welcome to episode 25 of the RF Generation Playcast. On this episode, we'll be discussing our games for April 2016. This month, we once again listened to the voices of the community and played perhaps our most requested pair of titles ever. Rich, Floyd, and Steven will be joined here by forum member Addicted to discuss the classic role-playing games Ease 1 and 2. These legendary titles have been released on numerous platforms over the years, leading to amazing participation on the RF Generation forums. So, remember to join RFGeneration.com to play amazing games from all console generations with us every month. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and keep up with this podcast on Podbean and iTunes. Thank you as always for listening, and now, on with the Playcast. Tonight's podcast is being brought to you by Glenn Livett, 12-Year Reserve. That's what I'll be having tonight. Only one glass because um, the uh, wife, as you guys know, is very pregnant right now. We're in the ninth month, and uh, it could happen at any time. So I'm a little nervous. If you hear a knock on the door during this podcast and I suddenly escape, you will know why. You guys will have to finish the show without me. You can take the microphone with you. We'll have live coverage. <laughs> live coverage in the room. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can pull up Skype on your phone. We'll there, get it recorded. There you go. This is the sound of the epidural. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about what what's everyone else been up to. Of course, my house is a. Uh, clean and sacred ground now, awaiting uh, the birth of our child uh, next week. Uh, my wife, if she doesn't have it this weekend, will be induced. So, looking forward to a lot of fun and a third child in the house and a new dog. Exciting, good times. So, I'm glad we could actually get this podcast in. Uh, so, what have you guys been up to, Stephen? Anything spectacular? Um, well, there's one new development for me. I've been getting into... Uh vinyl records actually ah we kind of collecting those uh seeking them out for all my favorite bands right on that's really cool i like listening to them yeah it's, yeah uh, this costs new- me a lot of money right now but yes yeah. it will sir i will send you a picture <laughs> i just uh i don't know if you saw on uh twitter i posted a uh my new setup uh so yeah i think uh, i saw that um uh, and uh i actually picked up a few records today i picked up uh ride the lightning uh, that's the one that got me started. Yep, uh, that that is a very good one, and I picked up a uh, an electronic album, a guy named uh, Tycho, 
uh, picked up his album Awake. It's it's really awesome, hmm. just kind of ambient music. So um, cool. any any good albums? What kind of setup do you have? Do you have a you already got your turntable and your uh, you got your amp. And I, uh, I have a turntable. It's right now it's connected to my sound bar. Okay. Uh, okay. Awesome. But yeah, I got a lot of old school metal stuff: Metallica, Megadeth, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, Black Sabbath, Motorhead, all that stuff. Oh wow, wow! You got a nice, you got a nice. Yeah, you're already off going. to a really good start. Absolutely, yeah. man. Yeah, I've I've got most of the Iron Maiden stuff, the early Iron Maiden stuff. Um, you know, the the first two albums and most of the albums with Bruce Dickinson. Mm-hmm. And um, the only album I'm still looking for, and it's really going to be tough to find, is uh, Fear of the Dark. Um, because that was, you know, sort of a later release and mm-hmm. people weren't, uh, releasing a lot of vinyl at that time. So it's, um, it, as you've probably discovered, it's, it's kind of funny, like new vinyl is super expensive. Uh, whereas you can get classic vinyl for a much better price. I wasn't sure what was considered a good price or not, but I was surprised that you can, they're still manufacturing these things. I, I think that's something that might've, uh, started in recent years. Um, it is. But I, yeah, I'm finding a lot of, a lot of stuff that I didn't think I'd be able to track down, but it's just still being manufactured. Yeah. There's been a, a huge resurgence for vinyl. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's how it and, seems. Um, yeah. It's, um, it, it's funny, like record stores have changed. You're, you're no longer, you no longer go to stores that sell, CDs and things of that nature. It's more of um, um, you you go to an actual record store now, and that's what they have is vinyl, um, and they have some old vinyl, but the majority of their stock is new vinyl now, uh, which is kind of kind of flip flopped. You know, you used to be able to just find some old vinyl, you know, if you go into thrift stores and stuff like that. But of course, like video games, everyone's looking for it and. People that are working in a lot of the thrift stores are grabbing it and, and that sort of thing. You don't really yeah. get many good finds, and and what you do find is so scratched up. It's just, it's it's just not you know worth picking up a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's a great hobby. Um, you and I'll have to uh, talk and uh, pick each other's brain sometime about uh, our our vinyl pickups and. Uh, yeah, I posted a couple pictures on uh, Twitter of some oh, stuff awesome. I got. So you can check that out. But uh, yeah, I'm getting really into it. I've, yeah, like I said, I spent way too much money so far, so I'm trying to cut myself off. It doesn't little, get any better, bit. my friend. Doesn't get any better, <laughs> my friend. Uh, I'm sure it's, it's a fun hobby. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, yes, it will drain your bank account. Um, but the good thing about the new albums is that a lot of times they send you a code, so you can actually get the yeah. MP3 yeah. too. So you you know you'll have that for your car or you know what have you. Right. Yeah. So that that's kind of nice. So it, it's you know albums probably average like. 20 bucks or 25 bucks now um and then um like some albums like some of the remastered stuff I, like the new uh the weezer album the blue album is like 45 bucks ridiculous i'm like uh, yeah i've seen prices pretty much anywhere from 15 to 50 bucks mm-hmm. um so mm-hmm. i don't really know what the difference is <laughs> yeah no idea how about you floyd up to anything uh new recently any pickups or anything no, everything's been pretty quiet around here. Yeah. Um, just playing a lot of ease. A lot of ease. A lot of ease, yeah. yeah. S- starting Bully. Oh, yeah. Other than mm-hmm. that, yeah. Actually, yep, Starting Bully. I haven't started Bully yet. I've, I've played it before years and years ago when I first got my PS2, but uh, but uh, I am very much looking forward to playing Bully. I have very fond memories of that game, and I'm, I'm sure those will definitely hold up uh, not being that mm-hmm. long ago i'm looking forward to it i want to see how they do um like the grand theft auto formula in a high school yeah i 
I think you'll enjoy it. A uh, little different, you know, not as uh, risque and lewd as uh, many of the Grand Theft games. Not as violent, does have some violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, well, I'll save my opinions. It's for a different game. game, so. Absolutely. But I think you'll still, it still has sort of the same feeling, you know, and uses some of the same, uh, uh, the same names and towns and school mm-hmm. and stuff that are, that are in the, show up in the Grand Theft, Theft Auto game. So they do a nice job of kind of blending it, which is, which is pretty cool. And, uh, Steven, uh, I, I neglected to mention you have a, uh, pretty awesome cell thread going on right now at RF Generation, right? Yeah. Uh, I've, yeah, I've listened, I just went through my collection. It was, uh, weeding out some stuff that I th- feared I'd never play. So I think I pulled almost 300 games off my shelf. Wow. Um, and I sold a good bit on RF Gen and, uh, I've actually already resorted to listing stuff on eBay. Not all of it's on eBay. Some of it's still available in the thread, but, uh, very cool. I just had stacks of games just littering the place everywhere. So <laughs> I had to, I had to move them out quick, but, uh, yeah, it's, pro- I don't know if anything will still be available, uh, by the time this airs, but yeah. Knows. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, good luck in your sale. Um, I got some great stuff from Steven. I picked up uh, Gunbird 2, Gigawing, and Troubleshooter for Sega Genesis. So that's, mm-hmm. um, I'm pretty pretty happy with those titles. I'm filling some holes that I needed to fill. And I, I love me shooters. <laughs> so uh, that's good. Uh, and before we go any further, I want to introduce our guest this month. Uh, he is a RF Jenner and... We'll uh, talk to him about how many years. I'm pretty sure he's been on the site longer than I have, um, but we're really glad to have um, a, a great site member and wonderful per- person on the show, Mr. Addicted. Say hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's definitely interesting to be on the other end of this. I'm used <laughs> to listening to this. <laughs> well, thanks for being a listener, and uh, again, and also uh, thanks for playing our games with us. You've played quite a few, right? Well, thanks. Yeah, I, gee, I'm trying to think of there was Fantasy Star. There was the original was Last Story, the original yes. one that we did. Yes. Um, obviously, E's book one and two, and I'm hoping book three, three and four at least will be forthcoming. Right. Right. Uh, well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll have to look at our list and see what's coming. We've got a got an exciting uh, game coming up for June. Uh, we're actually releasing. Uh, the name of the title tomorrow. So, um, since this podcast will not be coming out for a few weeks, we'll go ahead and uh, tell uh, tell you what it is. Uh, we're actually uh, Stephen. You want to tell your game, right? Oh yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I picked it out. I'm going to be hosting uh, Illusion of Gaia. It's a uh, excellent for super, choice for the Super Nintendo. Yeah, it's one of my uh, one of my favorites from the Super Nintendo. So, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, never played it. You, Floyd. Never played it. I, I'm so I'm looking forward to it too, and I'm sure we're going to have a lot of happy people behind us. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so too. I'm really looking forward to it. I've had it in my collection for a while, but uh, never popped the game in, so it will definitely be interesting. So, uh, addicted, you know, tell us a little, maybe a little about yourself or um, and what have you been up to lately. Uh, let's see here. Uh, lately, uh, <laughs> a lot of people are going to be upset with this, but I've been playing tons and tons of Dark Souls Three. Oh no! No one's going to be upset. I know one person in particular is going to be very <laughs> happy. Only to hear one that. person is happy to hear that, <laughs> or will be. And uh, aside from that, I've grabbed some cases from customgamecases.com. Have you dealt with them before? Uh, no, I haven't. Is it, are they the? Do they do the plastic cases to like protectors, or do they do um, just like custom cases for like N64 games and games like that? 
Uh, these are ones that are they're similar in vein. Mm -hmm. That I'm trying to think of the um, actual name, but the name escapes me. Of the, the normal cases that you see for the cover project, those these ones are custom made for NES games. So they have a spot for the manual. They have a spot oh, wow. for the game. It slips right in there in the That's use. That's really cool. Oh, cool. Pretty much the same artwork. I'm going to be doing a blog article on it. I'm really impressed with the quality of these so far. You don't even awesome. have to cut into the case. It's and they're well, they stand up to my two and a half year olds, oh. so they're well put together. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, that's awesome. I look forward to that article. You just posted an article recently on RF Generation on your personal blog, right? Right. That was at Tokens and Tankards that we went to. Uh, believe it or not, went drinking with my preacher and a couple of. <laughs> uh, that's not something you hear every day. No, good times. A couple of people from church, and it was always got to meet the owner, who was very nice. His dream was to open up a place where people could sit and play board games, but they could also go ahead and play pinball or cave machines. And as you saw, and he has quite a good collection going. I responded. I guess you maybe saw that today. I don't know. You don't really get notifications on his blog posts, which I which I wish we did. But uh, Floyd to Stephen, did you guys see his article on that? No, but I really want to read it now. Oh. Yeah, I think I missed that one. Man, I'm going to say this. It's a dream um, because the the arcade cabs that they have in this place and the pins, um, you can tell the people that own this place are probably um, arcade pinball people before um, tavern people. Do you know what I mean? They probably... Mm-hmm. They probably had the idea of wanting to open up an arcade before they had the idea of wanting to... Um, actually serve alcohol <laughs> because the the game lineup is amazing. I mean, they have like Joust and Sinistar, which is a very pricey game, um, you know, to find that. Um, some great pins. Um, I'm, trying, I'm trying to remember. Swords of Fury, which is great. Gorgar, um, Adam's Family. They had a, um, what was it, The Hobbit? It's the, the new Hobbit, Hobbit yeah. yeah. That game is, oh my gosh, that game is very complicated. I was trying oh, to figure yeah. out what that was. It's, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, it has at least six buttons on there. There's three LCD screens. Oh my gosh. It's just. Yeah. That's one of the New Jersey Jack pins. Um, I don't know if you you guys have played the Wizard of Oz, um, but Jersey Jack, that was his first pin was the Wizard of Oz, and he's also done this uh um, this Hobbit pin, which was uh, one of his most recent to be released. He's actually sort of the only competitor. Um, there's, a, there's a few independent people out there, but one of the only competitors of Stern, which is the only big company still manufacturing games. And so it's good to see a little competition out there and some new ideas. Um, most of the pins have, or all of his pins have the giant L- L- LCD screen um, instead of, uh, which, which plays sort of like video quality um, as you're playing pinball. So it's kind of... It's different. Uh, yeah, it's very neat. So, but very cool, very cool. Uh, well, addicted. We are really glad to have you on the show. Um, so, I guess we should go ahead and get started talking about ease. Um, uh, this month, uh, or should I say, last month, this was our um, was our April playthrough. We played ease. Uh, Books 1 and 2. This was actually a game that was recommended um, by one of our site members um, and um, Engineer Mike, who had been wanting us to play this game for a long time and begging us and begging us to play it for a long time. And so we decided, yeah, no, you know, why not? Let's give it a shot. We've um, we've played some of the older RPGs. Um, 
Uh, I myself grew up on Dragon Warrior, and we've actually played um, for our um, our playthrough. We've played Fantasy Star, um, so we're you know, and most people have probably played the first Final Fantasy. So we're kind of looking at playing a game that uh, sort of has a history, but is more of a um, a, a game that probably not most people have played. Um, so it was really interesting to get to do that. Um, just to kind of get into the history, uh, East is a uh, it's a series of Japanese RPGs. Uh, the first two games in the series were originally intended as a single game, uh, but the creators, uh, Masaya Hashimoto and Tomoyoshi Mi Miyazaki. Miyazaki. <laughs> Sorry, you guys have fun, like uh, listening to me trying to pronounce these names. I know I'm horrible at them. That's probably the only Japanese name I can pronounce because of uh, Studio Ghibli. Yeah, I, I should I, I should read these over before I'm doing this. Uh, but um, they eventually uh, decide to split it into two separate games. Um, the first was East One: Ancient East Vanished Omen, uh, which was released in 1987, and then also they split it to East Two. Uh, Ancient East Vanished, the final chapter, which was released in 1988. Um, both games were later released together on the PC Engine. That was in 1989 and have been released on various consoles throughout the years, including the Famicom, PC Engine, Sega Master System, which uh, only has book one, uh, the PSP, the DS, the Saturn, and PC and Steam, just to name a few. Um, so before we get started talking about the story, I, I kind of want to hear what system everyone played on this month. I played on Steam, mm -hmm. which is um, it's the PC port of the um, PSP version. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, it's kind of neat. You can switch between like a four by three screen ratio, uh, get a cool sort of like fantasy themed board around everything you can switch between all the uh like different music iterations like mm -hmm. you can go like full-on chip tunes or sort of more like synthy stuff i guess that would be the uh, pc engine mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and then you can do like the real rockin you know heavy metal <laughs> orchestrated version for um that was psp that's probably the latest one psp yeah yeah, yeah. um and it was uh it was. It came out on PSP. It was known as East Chronicles, is what it was called. But it was yeah. books one and two. Yeah, on PC, I think it's Chronicles Complete. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because it's. I think it's like an amalgam of the two versions. Mm -hmm. Okay. Not a hundred percent sure. Okay. All right. All right. Addicted. What did you play on this month? I started out with the Turbo, and honestly, I from what I've played uh, the Turbo and the DS, I like the Turbo a heck of a lot more. It mm -hmm. seems more of a cinematic approach. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And the DS, go ahead. Yeah, I, I'll be I'll be curious to hear, especially with the DS, about how it controlled, you know, with the stylus and everything, how that worked out for you, um, as we as we sort of talk about the gameplay in a little while. So so awesome, awesome. How about you, Stephen? What did you plan on? I also played the uh, Turbo CD version. Okay. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't actually own a Turbo Graphics or a PC Engine, so I. Mm -hmm. Uh, at the risk of facing the lynch mob here, I actually emulated it. <laughs> but uh, you emulated on Wii or no? Actually, a friend of mine recently made me this thing called a RetroPie, which is there's a oh, little, okay. little 
uh, I'm not even, yep. I'm not too sure about it, but it's the thing it's this thing you can buy called <laughs> the, a Raspberry, the raspberry Pi. Pi yeah. thing. Okay. And uh, he basically made that into like a little emulator machine for me, so uh, that's what I used to play it. But hence the large yeah. game sale. <laughs> well, no, <Yeah. laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't I sell can't. games because I'm emulating them. But uh, no. it's I, basically I, I like, like to a play, tiny computer. Yeah, yeah. But I, I still like to play the original versions of games uh, if I yeah. have access to them. But yeah. Uh, yeah, legit copies if I have access to them. Well, I have, I have both books um, on Famicom, but sadly, um, with everything and, and the craziness that's going on in my life right now. Um, with uh, the pregnancy and the, uh, I'm not pregnant, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> you should hope you're not. <laughs> could be like Arnold. What was that movie? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I can't I know remember. What you're talking. Yeah. No, I don't know. It'll pop up later, I'm sure. Um, but uh, with that, and then starting a new job as well, uh, things have been kind of crazy around here. So uh, you know. Uh, I was lucky enough to uh, make it through, I, I will go ahead and admit, make it through book one of East and uh, made it through most of book two. I made it to the sh- uh, uh, the shrine um, and played a, a good bit of the shrine, but did not get past uh, get past that. So I was very close to the end. But uh, unfortunately, um, I actually played on PSP. Not unfortunately, I played on that, but unfortunately that my battery started dying it would cut off on me all the time when i was playing to the point of it wouldn't even play even if i kept it uh hooked up to the wall adapter so uh hmm. battery is super dead so i'm going to have to fix that but again finished book 1 but did not finish book 2 so a little disappointed uh this was a game that i was really uh looking to finish and hoping to finish but ah uh, so the story um book one um just to kind of give everyone an idea uh, book one uh you're introdu- we're introduced to a young red-headed stranger who washes up on shore near the town of Mania. uh he meets a fortune teller who tells him of a great evil plaguing the land uh which turns out to be a man in a cape as we find out uh he is informed that he must seek the six books of east which will give him the knowledge he needs to defeat this evil. Um, book two, as we pick that up, it picks up right at the end of book one, and um, our young hero again, whose name is Adol Christian, is transported to the magical island of East, where he meets a girl named Lilia, who takes him to Lance Village, and from here he slowly begins to figure out the secrets of East and rid it and hysteria of evil. So... Very complicated and um, deep story. Actually, a good story, and uh, kind of interested to hear what you guys thought about the story of this game and the sort of storytelling aspect, how the game presented that. Uh, one thing I want to point out is uh, in the Turbo version, book one actually starts out differently. Oh, okay. Um, you don't wash up on the shore of the town, you actually just arrive safely on a boat. Oh, okay. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's pretty different. Yeah, yeah, it is different. I mean, in 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 the PSP version, which I, you know, which is supposedly from the original, um, you you kind of and Floyd, you correct me if I'm wrong. You just kind of wake up in a bed, right? And you've been told that you yeah. kind of washed up on shore, and then, then yeah, somebody kind of tells you that all that mm-hmm. like backstory. Yeah, there's yeah. a backstory. There's a Hall of Notes reference. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't remember what it was, but I remember thinking the same thing when I heard it. Uh, 
uh, when when somebody mentioned it again on the and, and somebody mentioned it again on the forums, I can't can't remember what it was, but uh, it's a, she's a man eater. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, but you you've arrived here and everyone's completely shocked to see you. A, it seems that they've never seen anyone with red hair, and B, <laughs> you've made it through some wild and crazy storm that no one's been able to navigate and has therefore shut off all the trading to the town, correct? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Well, um, to get, uh, thanks Stephen for, you know, letting us know that sort of difference. And I'm sure like anytime, um, during this, um, during this podcast that, um, because, you know, we, we've all played different versions, so if there's something that doesn't jive or, or something that's different in the version that any of you played, please, you know, speak up and let us know. Just just interrupt us. Um, and But um, I'm, I'm curious to what you guys thought about the story that was presented in this and how it sort of developed um, throughout the game. Anyone? <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't. I don't really remember it that well. Um, I, <laughs> you finished it a while back, I know, right? Yeah. Several I, weeks I think ago. I actually finished it exactly a month ago. I finished it April 5th. Um, okay. But, um, yeah, I, I remember liking it. I thought it was a good story, a very interesting mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I just don't remember the details, honestly. <laughs> I got you. How about you, uh, Dick? Did? What, what, I, how did you feel about the story? Especially on the Turbo version, uh, with the uh, voices of Alan Oppenheimer, Jim Cummings, Michael Bell, yeah. I mean, every all those great voices just added to the fact that this was a almost a, a movie or an odyssey, and you were being placed in the shoes of Adol, mm-hmm. journeying out and going through the a lot of. And I really like the fact that, at least in the Turbo version as opposed to the DS version, mm-hmm. the combat where you didn't have to press a button, you were bumping your way to win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> I think it's on Wikipedia or Wikipedia. Someone mentioned that it was like bubble. They wanted to have you constant stream of action, so they designed something with the simplicity of popping a sheet full of bubble wrap. <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> that's cool and that's cool and it is a different concept and as as um you know we mentioned um in the introduction to the playthrough we always um you know do sort of an introduction when we um announce our new game and this is it's this game has uh, what's known as like a bump mechanic um where you're running into stuff but I, I find that interesting did you say that the ds version does not have that bump mechanic it's different yeah in the ds version you actually have to hit a button to swing your sword wow well, wow. hmm. that seems like it would totally take away from the from the game. I mean, that's sort of the the big highlight of the game. That's sort of the main yeah, feature. It's, like it's defining characteristic. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. I don't know. I, I might have to try that. <laughs> I'm I'm intrigued. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because Floyd, you said something about um, what was your comment? You had made a comment. You and I were kind of going back and forth um, about this. Yeah, I guess I was sort of on the fence about the the bump mechanic um because that's that is so um like central to the to the gameplay mm-hmm. um you know like even to the point where you to talk to people you bump into them <laughs> yeah um, yeah which and maybe maybe this is because i'm coming from like a different um uh like RPG upbringing. I think I think we um, all are though, Floyd. <laughs> to be to be that's honest. That's true. To be yeah. honest. Yeah. But um no, I it, to me it felt like because I was just bumping into enemies to attack them and not like not 
engaging in anything, not having anything sort of like tactile, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. made it feel less involved mm-hmm. and like it kind of, I think lacking was the only word I could come up with at the time. Yeah, and I think you bring up a great point as far as this game. And um, I, one of the questions I had down for everyone was, what do you think of when you hear the words RPG? And that was to sort of provoke this conversation. And I think, you know, most of us have that classical styling RPG. Um, you know, I mean, I grew up on playing, you know, paper Dungeons and Dragons, um, which kind of led me into playing um, Dragon Quest or Dragon Warrior as it was released in the U.S., um, which is a contemporary. It was released in 1989 um, in the U.S. as Dragon Warrior, Fantasy Star 1988 in the U.S., Legend of Zelda 86, and Final Fantasy 87. And uh, the reason I mentioned Legend of Zelda as a contemporary, not n- not really an RPG, right, in the in the true sense that we think about uh, with the um, you know sort of the battle sequences where everything just kind of stops and you you know select your items and attacks. And things of that nature, but I think what you had mentioned was this sort of bubble mechanic, this running in or bashing into enemies. For for people that don't know about this, you basically you run around and you when you hit enemies in an angle, you damage them and you take less damage. Uh, if you hit them head on, you take a lot of super damage, and the enemies move at different paces, sort of like sort of like enemies in the Legend of Zelda. Only with Zelda, you would be swinging a sword. Um, which apparently you can in the DS version of East. Uh, but um, we're, we're sort of at a point, we're sort of, I think the point you made was we're kind of, it's something kind of in between, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, mm-hmm. um, and you can kind of talk about that or kind of expound on that if you like. Yeah, I guess it, it really bridges the gap between like an action game and an RPG. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess in that sense, it's closer to our more modern games where sort of the RPG leveling up system is shoehorned into everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And um, well, in Ease 2, you get magic. In Ease 1, you don't have magic. That's true. It's a good distinction. Um, but um, you, you can buy weapons that upgrade your stats. You you can level up to, uh, to you know, get stronger. Um, and... But the whole, I don't know how to put it, the whole time you're playing is you're kind of just bumping into stuff. Right, right. You know, it's more, it's kind of action, primarily, it's first an action game before it's an RPG, perhaps. Hmm, It's a good point. Yeah, probably, probably so. I'm interested to hear what... uh, um, And I just want to say maybe that's like a a sign, like, that's what the hardware they had to work with, Mm -hmm. or, you know, sort of, maybe that's... Maybe that's what the idea was behind it the whole time, is they want it to be more action and fast-paced. Because um, that, you know, what was it? Like the Final Fantasy, like the first Final Fantasy and Dragon Warrior mm-hmm. were all turn-based, so they were slower. Right. So this would really set them apart. Sure, sure. Um, thoughts, uh, Stephen, Addicted? Yeah, I guess you kind of have to ask yourself, is, uh, is he sort of <clears throat> like... Uh, wrongly classified as an RPG when in a lot of ways you can make the argument that it's more of an action adventure game like like Zelda mm-hmm. um, of course it you know it does keep the uh, you know the leveling up and the experience and that sort of thing um, but it's very interesting that like Floyd said this it sort of bridges the gap between the two um, mm-hmm. games like Zelda and Final Fantasy and uh, 
It's it's interesting. Like in it's a unique. nutshell, it's it's um, Zelda with. Um, in a nutshell, this is Zelda with stats. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. A lot of it is because it is a lot of dungeon crawling. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of item uh, item location, item finding. To, mazes. To um, lots of mazes. Lots of mazes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, possibly why I did not get through the shrine. Oh my gosh, I wanted to pull my hair out uh, with that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, definitely, and it also has the concept of um, the items and things where you have to have one item to progress to an, the next part. Correct. There's a lot of those mm-hmm. um, instances in in both games. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of times you don't realize it uh, until until later on. So um, I'm interested to get our guest take on uh, this. Is this an RPG? Is this something you feel like is an RPG? Was this, uh, or is this more of an action-adventure game, Addicted? I'd say it's more of an action-adventure game. The stats don't play that much of a primary role. The whole idea is for you to experience the story, as I said earlier, to take in the shoes of Adol. Mm-hmm. And then find find your way through. It's almost like, in some ways, it, you could think of it as. Remember, in the beginning in the '90s, everyone wanted digital video, and there was a very small amount of actual gameplay to it. It was mm-hmm. all about the experience. Mm-hmm. I now I'm not comparing this to a FMV FMV <laughs> game. Sure, but. I'm not comparing this to Snatcher or <laughs> any anything no. similar. <laughs> Rise but, of the Dragon. One of the things that they mention, at least on the Ease Wiki, is that uh, this being, of course, Ease 1, or the beginning, this is Adol's first adventure, and he's supposed to be 17 years old. Oh, wow. Okay. That was fine. He supposedly grew up in a small village and became this uh, idiot savant with swordplay and decided he wanted to go out and adventure in the world. <laughs> you know how it goes. I think someone called him the right man at always the right place. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, he really didn't have to be an idiot savant in swordplay. He just had to be an idiot savant in bumping, pretty much, <laughs> right? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point. I mean, there's, there's certainly, you know, parts of the story that uh, uh, I guess are, you know, sort of a bit left out, you know, as far as, you know, uh, who he is and how he has these skills, uh, you know, his age. And that sort of thing, but I think we can kind of chalk that up to a lot of, um, you know, to a lot of RPGs, you know, and that that sort of, um, that sort of young hero, like uh, I guess you know, compare it to like Shining Force, right? I mean, you've just got this young sort of trainee hero who has to go out and basically save the world, um, and that that's sort of the story we get here as well, uh, which is kind of a common trope, um, you know, of video games of that time, right? What are the? I know the term for it now, at least for women characters or female characters, is Mary Sue. Oh, okay. But I'm trying to think of what it. I, I don't think it's Mar. It could, it's Marty something, I believe. For Scorsese. <laughs> well, that that would be a lot better, but no. Fly. <laughs> the lowly soldier who suddenly becomes very powerful and then can defeat everything. I don't know. Maybe you could call it the Dragon Ball Z effect. <laughs> Oh, that's great. So um, I do want to get back to the story for a minute and um, just kind of want to share my thoughts on it and we'll get back to the gameplay. But I thought it was sort of a natural progression to talk about that. So I didn't want to cut anyone off. Um, I like the story of this game. And one of the things that I really enjoy about the story of the game is that you're not given a lot. It's very vague. 
Um, and you sort of have to piece it together. Um, like with the, um, the blue headed girls, um, as you're, as you're going through the game, you, you sort of just piece these things together. Nothing is really, um, uh, you, you know, you kind of get your fate from the fortune teller, but nothing's really specifically told. Um, it, it seems that there is some sort of oracle about a redheaded, um, uh, a redheaded stranger. Um, pardon the Willie Nelson uh, uh, term there, but uh, um, sort of the pun. But um, there, there is sort of an oracle about you know your arrival and. Um, you changing the fate of these worlds. Uh, but um, I feel like in the gameplay, everything's not, or the story, not everything is uh, uh, directly spelled out. And it just, um, it's kind of nice. There's, there's no heavy dialogue or anything like that to tell you kind of what's going on. And you just kind of ease through the game, no pun intended, um, <laughs> and, and sort of put everything together, right? Well, that's right. And you have to you have to talk to everybody to, to learn a lot of the... Uh, mm -hmm you know, the histories of the towns or, or, you know, the, the history of, um, like the storm wall in the first game mm -hmm. and, you know, the, uh, origin of magic in the second game. Sure. Sure. And were you going to say something addictive? No, I was just looking at the nature of the silver effects, why this man in the club is trying to sure. take all these silver effects. What's, what role does he have to play? There's a lot of mystery about this and it's not like something with a modern day where they they give you a 15 minute cutscene to, to just to explain to you why this person decided to change their hat. Right, right, and mm. and and you bring up a good point about this silver, this this person stealing all the silver. Um, and for a while, um, as we find out, the um, the person who's doing all this at the end of book one is named Dark Fact. And one of the things that I was doing and un unable to um, beat him for a while, it took a lot of tries for me to beat him, um, but one of the things that I realized, and this kind of goes along with the story, is that you had to, I had to sort of downgrade my armor. I had higher armor, but I downgraded it and started using silver, the silver armor, the silver sword and that, and, and it actually started doing more damage to him. Yeah, there's something along the lines. One of I think one of the someone tells you that he's encased in a, his cloak can only be penetrated by a certain mineral mm -hmm. or a certain silver. I'm, mm -hmm. I think I it's one of the goddesses. Yeah, I don't think it's like specifically spelled out in the game, or at least it wasn't in in the version I played. And I'm, I'm kind of one of those people that kind of looks for. Uh, well, when, when I play a game, I kind of play it to the fullest, you know. And I and I don't remember reading or, or you know seeing anything like that I, i'll have to i'll have to admit the psp does not have dialogue so i mean that's one of the really cool things about the pc engine version that you guys played uh but um um but um for me it was just kind of i, I finally put it together and i was like oh wait you know silver you know someone stealing the guy in the cape stealing all the mm -hmm. silver there must be a reason you kind of put that together and uh you know that's that's a way you're able to kind of defeat them. There there are all sorts of little things in the game. Um, you you find things in caves and and the, and the only way to know what to do with these things is to at some point you've had to speak to an NPC that that tells you oh I'm missing my silver harmonica or um, you know whatever whatever it is to you know move on throughout the game. Yeah, it's a lot more useful than I am air. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so, um, I thought the kind of the way the game sort of opens itself up is very slow and methodical. Um, it's not in your face. Nothing's extremely obvious a lot of times, um, even though the game is fairly linear. Um, and, and I thought it was sort of nice and sort of a nice, refreshing way to tell a story. Um, and like you said, you know, you don't get caught up in, you know, talking to NPCs. Uh, all the time, or just having to deal with a lot of useless dialogue, right? Absolutely. Uh, the only time that I actually found it annoying was when I was trying to navigate any of the towns. I just kept accidentally bumping in the same person. <laughs> yeah, that that was kind of annoying. I, I do wish it, there wouldn't have been a bump mechanic to talk to people. I wish you could have, um, you know, like in most um, RPGs of that area, I think you would like push A. And, and, you know, it would open up your um, window, uh, dialogue window, and you would be able to talk uh, when you wanted to. Uh, a lot of times you'd just be kind of cruising through town. you just run into someone and have to go through, um, you know, whatever the conversation was. So that was that was a little annoying. So, um, but, uh, you know, not so bad. It, 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 it happened quite a, a bit, but, uh, you know, it wasn't anything that sort of detracted from my enjoyment of the game, I don't think. So, all right. Um... Anyone else have any thoughts on the story, or we want to move on? Um, it felt really like mythical. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's nothing super. Oh, well, it's a, it's a, I guess it's original, mm-hmm. but it, it's nothing super like mind blowing. It's it's not. Um, it's it's got its depths. It's got its you know subtleties and intricacies, but. Um, what got me is like it felt like this was uh, you know an ancient legend or a, you know ancient myth. Right, right, and it is sort of in a way. Um, and uh, I'll um, I'll maybe talk about that a little later, or I could maybe talk about that right now. Um, it was something that um, as I was doing my research for this game, of course, you know a lot of times I'll go to Wikipedia and just sort of get the sort of basic information about when the game came out and uh, you know who the developers were and, and things of that nature and as I was typing in East uh, I simply typed in East and not East video game and realized that there is actually a myth behind um, the land of East uh, did you guys see this or did you did you know about this myth no no, no, never no. heard about it. That's cool. I, yeah, I had no idea and just sort of accidentally bumped into it. And if you don't mind, I'd like to just sort of read this. It's a little bit, it's not too lengthy, but uh, and um, but I think it'll add to our discussion. Um, so, and this is what it had. I mean, this is fairly ber- verbatim for Wikipedia, and I'm going to credit them for that. But um, they said that East was um, the most beautiful, impressive city in Europe, but quickly became a city of sin under the influence of Dahut. Uh, she organized uh, orgies and had the habit of killing her lovers while when morning broke. Uh, Saint Winlow. Um, um, oh, I should say that the legend of East developed between the 15th and 17th centuries, and uh, East was actually a city um, that was built below sea level by Grandlin, king of Cor- Cornell. I think it's pronounced, upon the request of his daughter Dehut. Okay, so that's where that came in. Who loved the sea off the current coast of the Bay of Duranez. Uh, the Breton coast had slowly given way to the sea, so the ease was under it at each high tide when Grandolin's reign began, and to protect Ys from 
In Unduation, a dike was built with a gate that was open for ships during low tide. So this was a city that was built below sea level, basically. And there was only one key that opened the gate, and it was held by the king. And as I mentioned, um, you know, it was a beautiful city in Europe, and when Dehut, uh, the king's daughter, um, uh, started sort of running it, it, it kind of became under sin. And um, Saint Winwillow uh, decreed that the corruption of East and uh, warned of the gods' wrath and punishment, uh, but this, of course, was ignored uh, by the uh, populace because they were too busy fornicating and having fun, right? Uh, so one day a knight, dressed in red, came to Ys, and um, he basically deceived uh, Dehut into stealing her father's, uh, the key around her father's neck uh, that controlled the gates of the city, and basically... Um, uh, she gave the key to the knight, and uh, the knight was actually the devil, and uh, he opened the gate uh, to let the floodwaters in. Uh, and so, um, you know, basically, uh, the king uh, flew off on his winged horse, but was forced to push his daughter into the water uh, to drown. Uh, so, uh, it's a it's a pretty um, pretty heavy tale. And a lot of people say it's the history is sometimes viewed as the victory of Christianity over Druidism, uh, which we know, you know, from the, um, you know, was, uh, um, you know, sort of on the um, uh, United Kingdom and the Isles um, as uh, Grandolin the king was converted uh, at the time. And uh, because Dehut and the inhabitants of East were worshippers of the Celtic gods, so that was sort of the reason for that myth. But, but interesting in the sense of this game um, sort of being named uh, after uh, that legendary city, right? Did any of you guys see any connections or anything in the story, or or uh, anything that was going on? Well, I guess so. I'm. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to connect the dots now, so <laughs> maybe you should mellow out on that. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um because of the creation of magic, they also created monsters as like a byproduct. Right. Um and ease is this like, you know, utopia floating in the sky which is a little different than uh, the original myth we have. Sort of the opposite, right? Yeah. Um but yeah, I'm I'm just looking over this uh, <laughs> this legend right now, trying to trying to piece it together. It's interesting yeah. though. I mean, you know, you've got your red knight, and you've got Adel, of course, who is the redheaded, um, you know, mm -hmm. is, is who's you know remarked time and time again, you know, about his red hair mm -hmm. and his appearance, which is which is extremely interesting, you know, and the red knight sort of being the devil and the destroyer of the you know the city of East, which. Um, you know, in, in the case of this um, this narrative, he's sort of the savior, right? Right. Well, I guess they, they could have changed things. I mean, it's it's their game. Sure, sure. Um, but, um, you know, definitely Ease, you could tell just from the first game that they're setting up a really long series. Like, it, you know, they have a really big story to tell, and they're all, you know, interconnected, or there's sort of some of the games are like side stories that happen in between mm -hmm. some games. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and and I guess one thing we should talk about too a little bit is the um, um you, you know they decided to separate um, 
East into um, book one and two. So they decided to separate it. And I thought it was interesting that where they kind of cut it and separate it. And I think it was a, a, a really nice uh, transition between the two games. I don't know what the rest of it is. I think thought. that's a good idea. Yeah. Because, I mean, well, Ease 1 is all about collecting the books of Ease. Mm-hmm. And uh, book 2 is all about, um, is it returning them to to the statues? Right, returning them to the shrines. Ret- to the shrines, right. yeah. Right, So, you know, it's sort of like, you know, in the first game you're uh, organizing the world that's in shambles, and in the second game is your... You've got everything you need to, you know, right the wrongs. Right, right, right. Cool formula. Yeah, yeah, it's really neat. It's really neat. And uh, like I said, I thought they broke it up really well. Of course, these games um, are pretty short for, well, if you consider them an RPG, I guess this would lend more to the action-adventure model, but they're only around eight hours apiece, right? Fairly short games. So, you know, standard RPG, Dragon Warrior, you know, is going to, going to net you, you know, over, you know, 20, 25 hours, probably, you know, but, uh, um, you know, that's going to include grinding, which is, is one thing uh, about this game, you didn't have a lot, lot of that to do, correct? No, I didn't. Not unless you wanted to. Yeah. Hmm. Did any of you do any grinding, Steven? Yeah, a little bit. Um, like, we didn't have to do it too often, but uh, sometimes I would get to a boss fight and uh, it would prove to be a little too difficult Mm-hmm. So I'd have to uh, grind a little bit. And uh, one thing, grinding was kind of fun in this game because what I would like to do is uh, find like a narrow passageway, like a hallway, and just steamroll through the enemies and just, you know, just where they keep respawning over and over. Uh, just uh, It was really fun just to keep charging back and forth. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys uh, use a similar uh, method for leveling up. But, I did the yeah. same thing. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's funny you should call it steamrolling through enemies because that's what it really it does, feels like. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's um, it's a little bit mindless. Yeah. Uh, but then at the same time you're 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 level grinding, so it's you're not putting much thought into it in the first place. It's it's quicker than typical level grinding too, right? Because yeah. you're like you said, you're just kind of steamrolling through it. If you get in the right place. Um, in your in your under leveled, you can level up fairly quickly. You know, with mm-hmm. maybe yeah. you know fifteen to twenty kills, um, and you can just keep leveling up, and then you hit a point where it's like, okay, you know, you're not going to get as much anymore. You know, so you have to move on like to the next area mm-hmm. or, or you know what have you. And so, um, you you can level up quick, and th- and that's one of the really nice things about it. It does, um, offer you that you don't get slowed down. You know by um. Uh, you know, battle screens and things like that opening up and, you know, text and, and things of that nature. So so that is um, a, a pretty nice design and I think was probably what the developers were going for when they did this game, um, looking at, um, um, you know, sort of the contemporaries and the way RPGs were being done at the time. So That basement in the second book, <laughs> uh-huh. I spent hours and hours there just walking back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's the location I used to reach the max level at the end of the game. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. In, in the DS version, if you actually uh, kill the last person in there, you can clear out the basement permanently. Oh, yes. Wow. Same for PSP. Oh. If you if you kill the last one, you have to keep coming back and not... You, know, you can just let them come out the door or whatever and just take them out. But if you kill the last person, you do get a dialogue that says... Um, 
you know, you've taken care of all the enemies and they, they will not respawn. So, hmm. yeah, they come back in, you know, infinitely in the, uh, turbo version. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the equipment and the item system in this game. I'm curious to hear your thoughts about the items in the game and, um, you know, overabundance, not enough. What, what did you guys think? I don't know, just right, I guess. Yeah? Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I definitely mm-hmm. wouldn't say overabundance, because I, I feel like there wasn't very much. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't remember using any actual items. Uh, I know you ha- you could, we get, like, a healing potion or something. Uh, well, I guess, or, I guess I did use it, uh, actually, but... Uh, yeah, there's like mm-hmm. there's like some healing like trinkets. Uh, at least at least in the second, um, you you could only so you would auto, which is a strange thing. You would auto heal in the out world, right? Right. Um, yeah. So um, that's right. The, if you, if you're outside, game, you would auto heal. Yeah. In the first okay. game, you would get that uh that ring that that, that healing ring, so you can actually heal in dungeons. Right. Um, the second right. game didn't have that. Uh huh. So you had to. There was like a leaf or something. Uh trying to remember the herb. yeah the herb i think there was one for magic which was like a leaf or something i don't know well there was a cape in the second game that you could get that was a, a dungeon healer did you miss that uh, I must, it was in either the, i missed it or it's not in this version but, uh, it was in the ice level i'm pretty sure it is it's it's sort of behind sort of a uh wall that's hard to see it's kind of hidden it was in the um um you know the ice level and it's actually a cape that you can put on and it actually lets you heal, um, hmm. okay. as uh, you know, slowly like when you're stopped, sort of sort of the same way you could yeah. in the out world, uh, like the ring would uh, in the first uh, book. Yeah, I know mm-hmm. that's in the DS version, but I'm not sure if that's in the Turbo. That'd be something we'd have to take a look at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it is. I, I don't know if they did any change into the to the items, but maybe so. Which um, is just, just interesting. The, all these all these changes. I mean, <laughs> you know. Uh, uh, I can I can understand changes like dialogue and things like that, like adding dialogue to the uh, um, the turbo version, which is which is really cool. I, I'd love to hear that sometime. Uh, but you know, removing items and things like that, which are the sort of the primary, the base nature of the game, is kind of odd. Um, we we also uh-huh. ran into this with leveling too, right? And there was some discussion on the forums about that. Yeah, didn't you guys say that the uh, on the PSP at max the, on book one it maxes at ten? Yeah, I think so. I think it's around. I think so, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think the Master System version does that as well. Okay. And then book two, um, uh, I want to say it maxes at like fifty-five or something like that, which is just completely strange, you know, to go from like ten to fifty-five, you know, within the same game. Um, and it, and it resets as well. Uh, when you um, when you go from book one to book two, you go back to level one. And from what I understand from the um, uh, the PC Engine game, it doesn't do that. You just you just keep leveling. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Hmm, that's really cool. Yeah, it's a really odd choice that they would yeah. uh, knock you back to one level one. So, but because that was a bummer, I was you know looking forward <laughs> to having all my stats carry over. Yeah, but I guess because it's it's two separate things, you know, they, like two separate games. I have to. Yeah. Start you back at one level one because yeah. they don't, you know, they don't know what level you finished yeah. book one at. Yeah, I mean you're just you're a noob and uh, you've lost all your crap again. So now you have to, yeah. uh, you have to get another tall war. 
I mean, life's rough, mm-hmm. man. That's one of the things I've never understood about these RPGs. You're like, bro, I'm trying to save the world. What's up? Can you not just give me some gear? You know? Yeah, or, like, or you're really? some you know, super legendary <laughs> soldier and you have no gear. I mean, haven't you heard my oracle? I mean, haven't you heard the oracle? I mean, don't you know? Yeah. Like, I'm here to save everyone. And you're just like, yeah. you're like, no, nah, I'm going to need this much stuff. You know, I'm going to need this much silver. You know, what, mm-hmm. whatever the uh, uh, monetary unit was in this game. I don't, I don't quite remember. So, but anyway, um, so, so yeah, we were talking about the, the equipment item system and I, I was saying, I, I agree with you, Floyd, and what you said, I thought, um, it wasn't, um, there wasn't too much, you know, mm-hmm. there was enough, but there wasn't too much to get confused with items and things like that. It seemed that everything sort of uh, served a purpose. Some things were, yeah. you know, only used one time, um, mm-hmm. you know, other things were used, uh, multiple times. Um, someone mentioned when you would equip your items and stuff, it was kind of neat because it, your, your gear changed, uh, or it showed you like when you didn't have a shield, if you bought a shield, it showed you with a shield. And I think it did that in the PSP version. It did. But your the, the color of your armor never changed or no, your sprite your doesn't change when you change armor, but yeah, when you don't have a sword or you don't have a shield, the sprite doesn't have one. Right. But that was, the so that's kind of neat. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of neat. It would have been nice to you know, at least have some sort of color change or something like that to denote, you know, new armor. Um, mm-hmm. That would have been kind of nice. I don't know. Was, was there anything like that in the versions you guys played? I think it was no, just, it, yeah, just the sword and the shield uh, yeah. being visually represented, but I don't think there were any color differences for armor or anything like that. Yeah, that would have been nice, but, you know, I mean, again, not not really a deal breaker. Um as I mentioned, the game's really linear, uh, limited world exploration, uh, and and backtracking. There's quite a bit of backtracking in this game. Uh, not quite Metroidvania type backtracking, but wow, quite a bit of backtracking as far as uh, you know solving puzzles and things of that nature. The shrine again in book two, mm-hmm. it 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 completely befuddled me and just destroyed me. So, uh, so you weren't a fan. No, not of not of that. I, I I was a fan of some of the backtracking, but I felt like as the game progressed, it got more and more complicated in book two, and um, um, I, I kind of got kind of tired of it. It, it got a little redundant to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know what everyone else's thoughts are. Are you talking about like the part where you get turned into that little creature and you have to come back to town to get your human form back? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, well, you know, coming back to the town to get your human form back, but but not just that, but just, I mean, that, that entire shrine was a bit of a maze, you know, you go from oh, one yeah. side to the other, and then back and forth, and back and forth, and, you know, you find somebody, you come back to town, and you go back to find something else, so, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it became a little repetitive and, and redundant, but, you know, just as comparison, like, uh, book two, like the ice portion of the game, where you had to do like a little bit of backtracking in the game to find stuff like to find like the um the the I think they were the stone shoes to like walk up the ramps and stuff like that. I, I was fine with all that. I, I thought that was really well done. But um, you know something about the shrine was just uh, just a, a a bit much and, and overdone. And, and I understand mm-hmm. you know as you play a game, it's supposed to progressively get harder. But um, you know to have that same sort of back and forth mechanic. 
um, you know, that backtrack mechanic was, it, it got old fairly quick. I don't, I don't know, Sean, you, you, you made it further in the game than I did, and Addict, did you finish too, right? Yeah, I mean, did you have problems with Darm Tower, or did that also drive you nuts? No, no, I didn't. I didn't have any problems with Darm Tower. Um, Even that place with the with the mirror portals. Mm 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 mm. You were cool with that. Yeah, I was. It, it was a little aggravating, and um, you know, but you know, I kind of stuck with it, and you know, sort of figured it out. I, I did have to get out a piece of paper and write down, okay, you know, I went through this one, this one, and this one. So, you know, I, I did have to figure it out. And there was a little backtracking where you had to go kind of uh, backwards in the game to go talk to someone else and get like an it was like an amulet or something like that. And then go all the way back through the tower again and through the mirrors again. I mean, a little mm-hmm. aggravating, but once I'd figured it out the first time, um, it wasn't too bad. So, but I'm curious as you know, as far as people that made it further than I did, um, what you guys kind of thought about the backtracking in this game? Yeah, that Solomon Shrine, the one where you were got stuck at near the end, that was mm-hmm. a big pain. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, even GameSack in their review of the E-Series <laughs> points that out. Oh, really? <laughs> I've watched that review before. It's been a while, but I don't, I don't remember that. But uh... Yeah, I must have missed that part, too, because I watched it <laughs> before I played. Oh. They referred to it as much more maze-like or maze-heavy Yeah, the first one, and yeah. I have to mm-hmm. agree with that. Yeah, I, I do. I, I, I did think, I, I definitely enjoyed book one more than I did book two, uh, but... Uh, um, but uh, I'm curious. How about how about you, Stephen? How did you feel about book two? Um, I liked it overall. I, I, I'm not sure if I liked it more than the uh, book one, but uh, I do remember that shrine. I, I have to agree with it being a pain. It was uh, very maze-like and it was, it was very big, and you had to keep backtracking all over it. And uh, I would often forget where things were. Like if I I might know where I needed to go but I didn't know where that location was mm-hmm. so I just had to kind of randomly explore it over and over again and until I just happened to find the right place so it's sure that was kind of frustrating but uh yeah yeah, was... yeah especially trying to find uh Keith Courage or Keith the uh, transformed <laughs> m- monster oh right yeah. near the end there yeah. oh I never made it that far so I never got to figure out the mystery of Keith I was like, oh, I want to find out what happened with Keith. Who is this mm-hmm. Keith guy? Uh, so I'm going to have to watch a playthrough of that. Um, and, and, you know, unfortunately, and probably why this was probably even more frustrating to me was because, my, as I mentioned, my PSP, my battery died. Um, and so I would play for like an hour and an hour or so, and then it would just automatically, my PSP would just shut off, and I would lose um, you know, any up to where I had saved. I tried to save as often as I could, but sometimes I would get in a, you know, get my momentum going and forget. And so, you know, having to deal with that several times on top of being in the shrine was just too much for me, you know, and, and probably um, probably uh, attributed to a lot of my frustration and anger, you know, with that portion oh, that's of the game. Fair. So that's fair. I, it, like if, if I was in that situation, I'd probably quit too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, but since you brought it up, you know, what did you think of the like save anywhere system? That's a good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyone? Um, <laughs> I loved it, you know, cause, um, I'm, I don't mind, you know, like save points, mm-hmm. but it's just so much nicer and so much more convenient if you can save wherever mm-hmm. you want. 
Um, you know, because if you got to put down the game for whatever reason, you just, you know, pull up the menu, save. Uh, you know, if you're making progress and you don't want to lose that progress, you know, you just save. You don't have to backtrack to a save point or, right. or, or you know, risk it trying to find the next one. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, it's kind of nice. I, I, I feel like I'm in a little bit different camp in that um, I'm a little, to put it mildly, I'm a little neurotic. And so, okay. like, when I have the ability to save a lot, I save a lot. <laughs> so, like, you're going to enter a room and save. Right, Go into a new right, room and save. Right, and, and then I start to worry, what happens if I save here and it's a bad place to save and I just keep dying and I get stuck? You know, because I only have one save file, so I have to make more than one save file. Oh, okay, that makes sense. So, for someone like me, who's a bit uh, off his rocker, to put it, uh, to put it mildly... Um, it it kind of drives me nuts. I kind of prefer a game that has, um, uh, let, let's say like Eco. You know, like they're, they're, you can save in that game and they're not, save points aren't too few and far between. It seems like they're ample, right. mm-hmm. but they're not constant. Do you know what I mean? And so I, I kind of enjoy that. Um, and I think... I want to say Super Mario RPG did a really good job with save points, too. Uh, so you wouldn't have to backtrack so much, if I remember correctly. Uh, mm-hmm. And I kind of prefer that that method, method over kind of save any time. And I'm curious... Um, uh, no, I, I like uh, I like your sort of reasoning behind it. Yeah. Um, Especially with the with the eco comparison, because mm-hmm. now I'm trying to remember that game. And all the save points were sort of in, you know, slower, quieter moments. Sure, sure. Um, and uh, yeah, that would have been really cool in in a game like Ease. Mm-hmm. I, I'm wondering though, and just not knowing enough about the Famicom versions and, and not having a chance to play it, um, do any of you know if save points were constant as they are in these games, or is that just something that we got with uh, PSP? Um, and, and for instance, did you guys with your PC Engine plays, did you get to save constantly? I would yes, you definitely could save. There was a hard number of saves that you could have, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you could save at pretty much any time. You, you okay. did have to be careful because the monsters, even though they were coming, let's say from the top, if you went in and saved and then reloaded the game, they were started at a fixed point. So it's very possible that you could mess yourself up yeah, sure. being low on health, and all of a sudden you restart and the monster is right on top of you. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. That was quite a fear of mine, too. Does anyone know about the Famicom version, if that was... Because I know, you know, around that time, they weren't using a lot of... I'm, I'm not sure if those games had batteries in them for saves, because a lot of the games with the Famicom um, that that had the ability to save were they're sort of on the uh, writable disc on the uh, FDS, right? Yes, right. the uh, Famicom version, I'm not sure about. I would imagine it would probably have a password system. Even the Turbo version had a password system. Oh, did it? Yeah, it just lets you save to the uh, uh, internal uh, supercapacitor. Hmm. That was a lot easier than having to write down because the password, I think, is uh, has at least 52 characters. Is something oh, really geez. out there. Yeah, wow. that's ridiculous. Wow. Hmm. So, I mean, if I, if I had to guess, I would say probably that, and, you know, again, it's just a guess. I mean, I would have to say the Famicom probably had a password system that it employed instead of a... Uh, you know, constant save mechanism, but, you know, who knows? I mean, I, I could be wrong. Um, you know, the the release of these games was 
see, 87, 88, maybe they had figured out and put batteries in the games to save at that point. Um, who knows? I don't know. I have to figure that out or at least look that up. So. Yeah, I'd be curious to know about the Sega Master System version as well. Sure, sure. Hmm, good point, good point. All right, so we did mention that this game, um, in Book 2 especially, has magic uh, that you can use. It's it's not like most RPGs, you know, that use magic, um, where you have an ample amount, even, you know, even Dragon Warrior had an ample amount of spells that you would learn as you increased in level. This basically only has one magic, right? Fire. Well, one that's useful, so, yeah. but six overall, they're oh, tied to the six true. priest. Yeah, you're right, right, and the, and the staffs, right. Uh, yeah, there, there's like a sort of disguise, but I, I guess my point, one offensive magic, right? Yes, okay. as far as I can remember, yes. Okay, um, how much did you guys use the fire magic? Was this something that you used quite a bit in the game, or uh, something just a side note? Yeah. Oh, really? It's, yeah, it's helpful. Okay. Plus, I feel okay. like I had a, a lot of magic, so I didn't uh i never feel like i was in uh, much danger of running out of my magic that happened uh, very rarely yeah i mean you had you had like mp and it yeah. almost kind of ran side by side to your hp mm-hmm. from what i recall um it, at least in the psp version God, you, know, you know that's the thing we have to differentiate in what we're playing uh but um yeah, I mean it. It didn't use up a whole lot each time that you would use, it. and you could it, you could charge it as well, right? There was like a charge shot as well, um, and um, you could get some items throughout the game that would help with your fire magic as well. One was sort of like a, uh, I think it was like the falcon statue or the hawk statue that was um, sort of like created like a heat seeking fireball when you fired it, which was kind of nice. And so, um, but I, I found myself. Um, just being so familiar and enjoying the the bump mechanic and not really using a lot of fire or kind of using it secondhand, not thinking about it a lot. Because sometimes you would fire and you could only fire off like five shots and then it would kind of stall. I don't know if that was um, that happened in any of the versions you played. Mm, I don't seem um, to remember, at least in the version I played. Okay, okay. Yeah, I don't well, the, remember with, that. Yeah, with the PSP, you would fire, and you know you could fire like a constant, like a, you know, like a shooter, you know, like sort of a shooter game, but you could fire five times, and then it would like kind of stall out on you, and it would take like a, a second or two to, uh, to be able to fire again, you know, multiple times. It was kind of, it was kind of odd. I don't, I don't know why that happened, or if that was just uh, the PSP version that I was playing. So, but uh, yeah, interesting mechanic, and 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 one that. Um, you actually had to use when it came to a lot of boss fights. I think I got to the first boss fight in um, book two, and I did not have the magic yet. And I kept trying to figure out how to defeat this boss and couldn't do it and just had to just sort of walk away thinking I wasn't strong enough until I found the fire magic um, in the caves and uh, then was able to you know kind of figure out, oh, I need to use fire on this boss. But uh, it seemed like all the boss battles in the second book used fire. I don't know if uh, that's something that you guys noticed and uh, if that held throughout the game past the shrine. Well, that actually answers a question I had for you because I was going to say if you didn't use the magic a lot, what <laughs> what was your approach to the bosses? <laughs> no, I, I mean, absolutely, you had to use it there. And I definitely yeah. used it in the boss battles, but not, you know, mostly with trash mobs and stuff. I, I didn't really use it mm-hmm. a lot. So, 
Yeah, on the PSP, sorry, not PSP, on the DS version, it's a lot easier. Instead of just swinging your sword, just attack from distance using the fire. Mm-hmm. But de- definitely using the bump, the bump method for most things in the turbo version. Okay. All right. So we'll move on and we'll talk about were there any, we mentioned the boss battles. Were there any boss battles that you particularly enjoyed or detested in either game? Steven? Um, I have a hard time remembering. They kind of, <laughs> like, the, um... A lot of them do kind of yeah, run together. They, they, because there's, like, a similar kind of strategy um, for, for sure. most of them. But I would say the one that stands out to me is probably the final boss fight. And I think it stands out to me as being my least favorite, or among okay. my least favorites, at least. In the second book, right. correct? Um, okay. The final, final boss fight. Because it's kind of cheap. Um, okay. Like, it's... I, know you did, I don't know if you watched the video, but I know you... you as you've said, you didn't uh, you didn't make it that far. No, I didn't watch um, a video. But yeah, there's just this constant barrage of these orb things raining down on you, and they're almost impossible to avoid. And mm-hmm. the boss, he's teleporting everywhere, so he'll be on one side of the room. You'll move over to try to attack him, and he teleports to the other side. And you know, it's it's. Uh, is is it a pattern fight that you have to memorize, no, it's, or it's is random. it just random? It's random. As far as I can tell, but I'm pretty sure it is random. Yeah. Yeah, that was the uh, one time where I actually ended up using the shield magic in yes, order to yeah. help me get through that. I did the same thing. Okay, all right. How about you, addicted? Any any fights that were maybe your favorite or least favorite? Uh, it took a while for me to get past the uh, Pokemon or whatever that <laughs> one looked looked like a praying mantis or a little bit of <laughs> that in Darm Tower. Yes. Yes. Oh right. That one was annoying. Uh, I'm sure that some I should at least mention Dougley and his mention of the vampire. Uh, ah, yeah. yeah. That was, that was an interesting kind of fight. Yeah. yeah, that was tough. That was one of the the ones that I had a tougher time with the vampire that splits into all the bats and mm-hmm. learning how to draw the bats and get them to kind of form up again and then run around the room and um, uh, the, the vampire having a kind of a you, you kind of had to attack him from the bottom, too. I mean, you could not attack him from the top, so if he hit the bottom of the room, you you, you kind of wasted an attack. And you had to be really quick, too. So um, in, in that regard, it was kind of tough because you had to you not only had to be quick to hit him, but you had to be quick enough to hit him and then run away before the bats formed. Uh, so that, that, that fight took me a while. That, that was a little aggravating. But uh, kind of an interesting and fun fight. Um uh, my least favorite of, of all the fights that I got to was probably Dark Fact, and that was a very, very difficult battle for me. Um, and, and I mentioned this on the forums, and a lot of people said, really? You really had that much trouble with that? And they're like, I, I didn't have that much trouble with it, but I, I did. I don't know. Maybe it's the PSP version I was playing. Didn't, um, uh, I think Metal Fro was saying he had a lot of trouble with that as well. And he was he did. He played the same PSP. version. Yeah, I think... and. I know I told you I found it very easy playing on the turbo, and I think Duke said uh, he found it very easy as well. Yeah. So yeah, I guess it's just yeah. uh, the difference in the versions. Uh, it's a lot easier in on the turbo version for some reason. Yeah, I mean, cause I, I mean, I feel like I'm a pretty good gamer. I mean, uh, you know, we play a lot of these games we play, and I, I beat a lot of these games we play, and but I it, it took me over fifty times <laughs> to beat that guy. 
I mean, at first it was because I, you know, I wasn't using, you know, silver. I wasn't wearing silver armor and silver sword. And, but when I figured that out, um, um, the damage, you know, started piling up a little bit better, but still had a difficult time. Because I'd get myself stuck in corners sometimes where the, you know, he shoots the floor out and that sort of thing, which was uh, a real pain. And uh, just kind of stuck in a square of like four and hoping that he would fly by me before... Uh, you know, I would lose the rest of my uh, hit points. Um, and so, you know, finally beat him. Uh, interesting story there. Uh, I beat him at work while sitting on the can. So, uh, <laughs> 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 I hope when no one was in the uh, women's stall uh, that was just through the wall because they would have uh, hear me, heard I'm me just, screaming inhalation in the, in the bathroom. I'm just glad you weren't streaming that one. <laughs> Yeah, me too. <laughs> I think everyone else is glad as well. So, but definitely are memorable. I'll I'll never. Uh, most people will never forget where they were when Kennedy was assassinated. I will never forget where I was when I beat Book One of Ease. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, people are probably thinking, "Man, this guy's really proud of himself." <laughs> and I am. <laughs> Rich gets but things done for a different bathroom. reason. That's right. I get stuff done. <laughs> uh, but that was that was the nice thing about being able to play it on the go. I did get to play this at work quite a bit, which was which was nice until my battery started failing. So sad. Like I said, play it on the go. <laughs> right. Sure. No fun intended, or completely intended. Um, well, let's let's go ahead and move on and talk a little bit about the music. Um, in the game, um, there was some talk on the forums about the music, and I thought it was um, rather interesting. Um, the, the different versions, of course. Um, I did play the PSP, um, but but I did um, at work. I can wear headphones as I'm working and listen to music, and so I did listen to the uh, Famicom tracks and the PC Engine tracks. So I did get sort of a um, a variation. So I'm, I'm curious what you guys thought about the uh, music and the versions you played, and if you actually um, maybe listen to the music in any of the others, just as a comparison. You know, I have to say that I prefer the turbo version. I, mm -hmm. with the exception of Darm Tower, because I've heard that at least thirty-five times <laughs> looped over and over. It was really well done, and I, I liked it. The DS version, it's one of those things where once I heard the turbo version, not as good for me, but it's, I'd say it's personal preference. Tell us a little about the DS version, since you were the only one that seemed to have played that one. I'm kind of curious of what it was like um, and how it sort of differed uh, from the PC Engine. It's from what I can remember from memory. It was a lot more guitar riff heavy okay. and a lot. Oh, it was the beginning of Ease in the Turbo version starts up with a very nice orchestra, very loud orchestral score. Where this one is just more of someone wailing on their guitar as hard as they could. Hmm. I've, I actually have the soundtrack on there. I'll see if I can um, find some way to distribute that. So maybe easier <laughs> to. Well, um, and and I played the PSP version, and, and Floyd, you probably had a similar experience playing uh, Chronicles, but um, mm -hmm. the version I play had the really like wailing riffing guitar sounds on it so uh yeah um wasn't a big fan of that uh listened to the pc engine really liked that a lot 
thought that sounded wonderful. Um, and then um, I listened to the Famicom version, and I think the Famicom version was sort of what real what I really took to the most. Um, and it, it's probably just being, you know, for me, um, just from the perspective of of being an older gamer and you know having such a um, a history with games like Dragon Warrior that that sort of um, uh, you know that eight bit sound uh, that I really like. Um, I felt like even though, you know, I, I was playing with modern graphics, I still, the game still felt very old school to me, um, you know, in the presentation and the way it was played and the mechanics and everything. So I, I felt like the, that really modernized music with the guitar riffing and everything, it just, to me, it just didn't fit. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? No, it does. Um, and I, I listened to it too, but I, I pretty quickly switched over to the, um, uh, I guess it's the turbo version of the soundtrack. Oh, you were able to do that in your game. Okay. Yeah. I, I might have had that option. I, did, I really didn't seek it out, or so I don't know, but perhaps that option was available to me as well. So, uh, but yeah, it felt like a, you know, it felt like an old school game to me, and I, I wanted a soundtrack that sounded... I don't know, more apropos for, for what I was playing and the guitar riffing and, you know, just the heavy tracks. It just, I, I don't know. It was just too over the top. It was. Steven had a good quote, didn't you, Steven? Do you remember what you said? Yeah, I I listened to both versions when somebody pointed it out on the forum and I mentioned that the um, PSP version sounded like a fan-made guitar cover that you would see on YouTube. Yeah, that, that was a great way to describe it. Mm-hmm. And not that I don't like guitar fan-made covers. I mean, I I love the Metroid stuff when people like rock out on Metroid. You know, uh, I, I think that sounds fantastic, and I love seeing those bands. But it, it's cool live, and it's cool when you know musicians do it and kind of make their own thing out of it. But I don't, but when you have to listen to it like on a loop, right, right, yeah, it, it was a little much. So mm-hmm. so yeah, the best of I did like know. the um the um like the the more updated orchestral scores though mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. i think they were really peaceful and they really um you know they they were really good for the town settings and stuff sure sure and you were saying something to dick no i was just uh, you have me thinking of like banjo guy ollie doing a <laughs> cover of e <laughs> and i love his stuff he he's he's awesome um i think he's going to be at uh I'm not sure if he's going to be at Retro World Expo uh, this upcoming year or not, but I think he I think he was there last year. I'm not sure if he performed, but I think he was there. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, yeah, I, I really like his stuff, and um, I think it's Steamage that does the um, the Metroid stuff that I that I really really like, um, and and I and I do like that that kind of thing. I just it's just a little ill fitting for uh, an East game, I, I thought an early East game that was remade. So. Steven, do you have any thoughts on the music or um, what you played? Sure, yeah, I, uh, I I really liked it overall. Um, I would just say my my one gripe with it was that it, it did get pretty repetitive because there was pretty fairly short loops and you were in some of these environments for a pretty long amount of time. And I don't know how it worked on the PSP or other versions, but on the Turbo version it loops kind of strangely in a way that I've never heard a game loop uh, a track before in that 
mm-hmm. like the the track will just end and there'll be like a couple of seconds of silence and then it then it starts again rather oh, than just wow. doing like a continuous uh playing of it which was a little little weird but does it sort of fade out or is it a pretty abrupt it, or? um it just it kind of has like a, a an actual end to it it doesn't fade out it just uh but they, they end the music in a, in a proper way and then it just stops and then uh and then it starts again uh yeah yeah huh let me say i mean i don't know if that's what it was like on my version too maybe mm-hmm. yeah but uh huh I, I it's a really good observation <laughs> yeah and i have to say i mean this is um this is probably one of the odder podcasts that that we've or the more odd podcasts that we've had um only because we've all played different versions you know right. typically we're all playing like a very similar version or you know maybe 360 ps3 which are you know very you know almost verbatim similar um with maybe just a few changes but um you know it's very interesting at the same time to hear like all of these differences in in, in what everyone was playing um mm-hmm. and uh, I, I think more than anything it makes me want to play the original more and more just to you know have an idea of what what that was like you know for for its time um and uh, you know, be able to speak to that. I hate I wasn't able to do that, but uh, you know, so it goes. Yeah, this conversation is really making <laughs> me want to go back and play the uh, uh, the turbo version. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That too. I, I would like to own that version as well. Be able to play that. It sounds like uh, with the you know the really awesome cutscenes and and mm-hmm. even with the with the PSP, we had some really um, and, and probably Floyd, you did too, playing on PC it was chronicles we had some like really nice artwork you know as far as the dialogue sometimes yep They're, yeah because my, my version is just a ported mm-hmm. um pc psp port to pc right right and so there was some really beautiful um uh beautiful animation you know modern beautiful mm-hmm. animation but so we had uh, yeah like short anime cutscenes. Yeah. but it was all text-based um, there was no dialogue it was all yeah and, and i think that um, would make and when you lot. when you talk to people like key people you got a little portrait of them, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which was kind of nice. Yeah, so thought I'd bring that up. Um, I did want to bring up a, a quote from Akari Niku, one of our RF Generation members. I really like this quote. Well, I disagreed with this quote, but I, I really, I really like the point that he was making with it. And, and what he said is, "What I can say is that I wish this game had come out in America. I would much rather the hours I poured into Dragon Warrior be spent with East instead." The games mostly stack up evenly in terms of graphics, music, and design. What makes the difference to me is that I don't have to beat my head against the turn-based grinding wall. While there is grinding in East, it is a joy because it involves skill. How you hit an enemy is important, and it makes the difference between victory and defeat. Much better than some random dice roll deep in the game's programming bowels. So I'm, I'm interested in kind of getting you guys' thoughts on that, that quote. I thought he brought up some great points, though, and it's interesting. It is a really good, uh, good argument there. Mm-hmm. But sort of like you know, Dragon Quest is more. It's based off like the tabletop stuff, right? Right, and that was my point. Is I, I kind of rebutted this on the forums. Is you know, different influences. Sure, sure. And and growing up playing that uh, pen and paper, um, you know, for me, Dragon Warrior was perfect because it was that it was almost a direct transition from pen and paper mm-hmm. to to pen and paper with some visuals, right? Uh, whereas, of course. Whereas this, um, 
you know, whereas East really isn't. But, you know, again, to each their own. I'm not, you know, I'm not, um, I'm not knocking him. I, I'm the kind of person, I like grinding. Hear that, ladies? Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but, but I, I do like games where there's, where there's grinding, um, a grinding element. It doesn't bother me at all. I can do it for hours. And, uh, it, it's, um, it's not something that upsets me about a game or having to play a game. Ease, ease has a lot more of a flow, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's because you know, like all your enemies are on the uh, world map, or or like you can see them, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. And um, you know, because you're not going into a different screen to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, go into battle. The only time you go into another screen is to equip stuff. Sure, sure. I, I think ease is more for um, it. It lends itself more to gamers that are a little less patient or that you know don't enjoy you know the grinding and and you know people that feel like when they have to grind for a game that they've wasted time i've I've never felt Mm -hmm. that way grinding for a game i see it as um more sort of um how do you put it real to life like you know Mm -hmm. like to to gain a level uh, for me, coming from a pen and paper background, to gain a level is actually something that, you know, every time you you were to play D and D or we would play D and D, you wouldn't gain a level. Um, you know, you'd have to play three or four um, times sometimes just to gain a level uh, with with pen and paper. You know, get enough experience to gain a level. Right. It's it's almost like an investment on your or a return on your investment. That, of that's time. right. So so gaining a level was very exciting. You know, as you're mm-hmm. playing, you know, pen and paper and. I, and I've, felt sort of the same way about Dragon Warrior and with with a game like Ease I feel um as I'm playing it you know I, I feel a little it feels a little cheap you know it feels a little cheaper to be able to grind for you know get to a to, to a certain level be able to take out like 15 enemies and you know gain a level or you know you know however many enemies especially if they were like you know the enemies were a, a much higher level than you with you know, with East, even if you're under leveled, all you got to do is like hit them at an angle and corner them, and you'll eventually defeat mm-hmm. them if you keep bumping into them. If you can, yeah, if you can come from that right angle, you know, like which is typically just off center, mm-hmm. then uh, yeah, you can you can be under leveled in a dungeon and be relatively okay. Yeah, yeah. and and you know, I, I get what he's saying about you know, much better than some random dice roll roll deep in the game's programming bows. I get it, but I mean, again, you know, the random dice roll, the randomness of that, um, you know, that that's sort of part of that pen and paper experience, you know, and mm-hmm. something that I like, and it's 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 just the chance you take, you know, right. as you play, um, and and so there there's as in real life, it's not it's not a constant, you know, a battle mm-hmm. is not a constant. It's something that's you know has a certain percentage to do a certain amount of damage, but you know. Every once in a while, there's a miss, or every once in a while, there's, uh, you know, less damage that's uh, right. given. So, I, I don't know. I, I've always kind of liked that aspect of, of of gaming, and perhaps that's. Just I like me. the turn based aspect because you have to strategize too. Sure, sure. There's a lot of thought behind um, it. You know, you can you know de-risk the attack, and when you're low on health, uh, or you know, do you play it safe and you know use some healing stuff? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so. Anyway, um, thoughts. But I, th- I think what um, Ikaranuku was saying is that ease is really streamlined. Sure, sure. 
Yeah. Sure. I mean, I think it's that type of game that you can. I mean, it's in each each game's about eight hours. I mean, you can pick it up. It's mm-hmm. linear. You know, it's a linear format. Um, has a um, a leveling system that's um, you know easy to catch on to and an easy mechanic, but mechanic and um, it's fast paced. You know, for people that mm-hmm. enjoy that type of thing more. And um, you know, it, you know, I, I can see this game sitting well with um, a lot, uh, you know, a lot of gamers, and 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 being a game that you could maybe recommend to, a, um, you know, a lot more people than than say a game that uh, you know more classical RPG that where there is mm-hmm. heavy grinding. So, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll give it that, and and I definitely understand what he's saying. So, yeah, yeah. the barrier into entry is definitely less than you would from a. Japanese or light RPG such as Dragon Warrior or Final Fantasy. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. So um, I just wanted to kind of open it up here at the end just to any um, just sort of open forum as far as is there anything that you guys want to talk about? Do you have any gripes or uh, praises about the game? Things that we didn't mention? Well, I got my gripe out there pretty early, I guess. (laughs) Which is, you know, the um, even though it, you know, it's it's well done and it really streamlines streamlines the whole game, but um, yeah, it wasn't too big on the bump mechanic. Yeah, Floyd says, um, "Let that boy swing a sword." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Stephen? Any any gripes or praises for this game that you had? Um, one thing that I really enjoyed about it was. Um, I felt like every time I gained a level or every time I gained a new piece of equipment, it really seemed to make a, a pretty significant difference. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in, as opposed to a game like Final Fantasy, where if you just gain a one level, it doesn't really seem to do too much by itself, you know? And sure. so it made, you know, every level just felt like a big deal. And every time I found a new piece of equipment, it felt like a big deal. And uh, I just found that really cool. So it's something I, I feel like I get with uh, a, a lot of these type of games. That's a good point. All right. And to our guest, Addicted, any thoughts, final thoughts, praises, gripes? Despite its flaws, I really enjoyed playing through Book 1 and 2, whether it's on the DS uh-huh. or whether it's on the Turbo. One of the things that I'm looking forward to, though, is trying Ease 3 and Ease 4. I mean, how many versions of the, well, even Ease 5, how many versions of those games are there? <laughs> That's true. There's a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what have they gone up to now? Is there like an Ease 8 or 9? Or I, I, I can't remember. Ease 7, 7, as far as I know. 7 okay. was PSP, so okay. 8 is PS4. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, huh. they've definitely continued the series. I I don't know enough about it to speak about if it you know if it's the same character, descendants of that character, or or what. Uh, but uh, you know, I haven't looked into it. I do know that, and I think we were speaking. You were speaking about before the call uh, that East Three is more of a um, uh, a game similar to like Zelda Two, right? Yes, Ease 3 is a side-scroller, similar to Zelda 2. In fact, uh, just to pull up on the wiki real quick here, Ease, let's see here, Ease Book 1 and 2, 8 all supposed to be 17. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Memories of Celsetia, I'm trying to remember if that was, it's not Ease, oh Jesus, timeline jumps all Uh, over the place. (laughs) You're trying to go, Ease 3, the remake of Ease 3 is Oath and Falgana. Yep, thank you. And that's, he's supposed to be 19. Then Ease Uh 5, he's supposed to be 20. That's the Super Famicom one. Ease 8, he's supposed to be 21, which is a PS4 one. And (laughs) Ease 
6 and 7, which is the arc of nephitism, I believe. And E7, he's 23, so it jumps around a lot. Wow. Uh, yeah. I'm still looking forward to trying 3 and 4 if anyone's up for doing that together. How has he stayed so young after all these years? <laughs> I must know his secret. <laughs> I, I want to see the evolution of the series too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it would be it would be nice. Maybe we can uh, uh, maybe put together a small uh, group of uh, people who are willing to uh, maybe take that dive uh, mm-hmm. on the forums. That that would be kind of nice. But um, I, I don't I don't want to get too far. And I didn't. I usually do this at the beginning of the podcast, but I want to mention uh, who our participants were this month. Of course, the four of us, um, Bomba Tamba, uh, Crabmaster two thousand actually played the game. I don't think he enjoyed it very much <laughs> uh dougley 007 played duke togo played and duke played on pc engine um uh, ikari niku who i mentioned uh metal fro who we've mentioned played the game neo magic warrior uh i've got shaggy on here not sure if he played or not i'm not sure if he found a operable system uh this <laughs> month once again uh sir psycho played uh the Gru played he's um he is the guy who uh, created our app at RF Generation. If you haven't checked this out and you're not a member of RF Generation, please, um, if you have an Android device, um, if you even if you're not a member of the site, um, well, I guess you have to be a member of the site because you have to set up uh, your, your database and log your games. Uh, but our collecting app is really awesome. Do any of you guys use that? All the time. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. So great. Um, and then uh, the other person that played uh, was Untrod Tripod, uh, who's been playing all of our games New lately. Guy. Really nice to have him along and get his thoughts on the games. Um, we actually had 16 total uh, play the game this month, and that's up from 13 from Life is Strange. So it's been a, a great year so far for playthroughs and uh, been really uh, enjoying and uh, getting a lot of participation. So... Um, I'll quickly mention, uh, since Sean is not with us this podcast, um, next month, or which would be this month currently in May, which just started, we are playing Bully, uh, which is available on several systems. It's a game developed by Rockstar, uh, where you play as a a kid who is um, basically been sent around to this new school. Uh, He's the new kid on the block, and there is a bully problem. Um, at the uh, at the academy, and um, it is your duty to right all the wrongs that are going on, and uh, plays like your typical rock star game, uh, like your GTA games, but uh, uh, a little bit less violent and softer side of Rockstar, uh, where you sort of become the uh, hero or anti-hero as you choose to be in this game. So, uh, really looking forward to that. It's going to be a fun month, exciting month. Uh, maybe, uh, I'll have some late nights that I can step and play with the new baby. So, uh, try to knock that out. So, cool. Anything else, guys? Thank you again for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us, Addicted. We really appreciate it. And, uh, that's going to wrap it up, uh, for this month's podcast. And, uh, thanks for listening.
And thus wraps up another playcast. Well, that was easy. A big thank you to everyone who joined the playthrough and a special thanks to Addicted for joining the show this month. In May 2016, I will be hosting a playthrough for Rockstar's Bully. Bully was originally a PlayStation 2 exclusive, but the remastered Scholarship Edition was later released on 7th generation consoles and the PC. Log on to rfgeneration.com to load up your slingshot and join us. Thank you as always for listening and we'll see you next time on the RF Generation Playcast. (laughs) 